0: It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined once again by my brother, Dusty. What is going on, Dust? Hey, dude. So... I
1: want you to tell me what is your outlaw name.
0: My outlaw? Oh, man. I, I never would have thought. I know yours is Dusty Bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you Sky have to itself have outlaw is name. pretty good. Sky Flyer, Sky Rider. I don't know. Something like that. How about Bipolar? That's it. That's the I- one I want. <laughs> I bipolar. <don't- laughs> sometimes I'm up. Sometimes I'm down. But I'm coming at you. Either way. I looked up... Uh- I looked up a bunch
1: of, um, like, a website that has just a bunch of names. There's, like, Frenzy, um, Voodoo, Mutilator, uh, West End uh, Bandit, um, Hmm. Crimson, Flux, um, uh, Spasm, Crypto, Trace, Imprint. Anyways, these are not that great. So I definitely have... um, Uh, it's called a handle is what you would call like when you log on to something you could put your handle or you know either your name or basically make something up that's like your login name and in games you would call it your handle but you'd make a a cool name and I never really came up with one that is unique and cool because it's they're all basically taken now the one that I I started I want to say it was like 15 years ago maybe even longer 20 years ago yeah probably about 20 years ago Um, I go by the name jackknife oh that's a good one Hey, thanks. I've never heard anybody use it, and I just – Jackknife is is what I've always used. And sometimes, like, you know, when I'm – actually, on you know, like PlayStation, when I play Call of Duty, um, I have that. Jackknife um, – I think I'm Jackknife51 is my um, uh, call cal sign or my handle. And so, yeah, that's what I – but if I were to pick one new and nobody else had it, there would be three that stand out to me. And one would be Maverick. I think that's a cool because that really fits my personality. <laughs> you said
0: new and no one else has it. <laughs> if if oh, it if. Was, <laughs> okay. oh yeah no, no i'm
1: not saying that this is all, new if you that choose nobody, maverick
0: you're gonna have to be maverick eight nine seven three four i think add
1: a couple extra digits because there's that many people that use it yep but yeah so if if it's there wasn't a basketball team if there wasn't a movie if they, like everything wasn't about maverick you know i i would really i think maverick's a really cool name another one is rogue obviously there's a female rogue in, in uh, x-men but rogue in general I like that that term. It's the the thinking of being like an outlaw. Um, another one would be renegade. So those are some pretty awesome um, outlaw names that I I would probably go with. But since jackknife, I've never really seen anybody with jackknife. It's probably going to be that one. Um, but uh, yeah. So what do you think?
0: Uh, I I like that idea, jackknife. If if I go through your scenario and like this had never been created, I think my perfect outlaw name would be Chun Li. Chun Li. You're not Chinese. And it it doesn't P. matter, How? dude. I'm Chun Li. <laughs> no one would mess with Chun Li, right?
1: That's true. That's yep. true. So that that uh, was it—the hurricane kick or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you she go. Has that fast kick. Yep. <laughs> anyway, good. So, <laughs> cool beans. We've we've uh, d- decided our new screen names. Mine is Chun Li, and you are Jackknife. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. So, anyway, let's get to this movie. Yeah, we don't have a name as cool as Star Lord. How can you be that cool with your name? But man. I am telling you, last week you and I both selected this as our uh, number one recommendation for anybody who hasn't seen the MCU. And then watching it again, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 1, of course, we're talking about from 2014. I would still wholeheartedly recommend this to anybody. This is probably in my top five, one of my top five movies of all time as well. I would, I I don't know about top five, but
1: it is super enjoyable. I can watch it over and over again. I would say probably in the top 10 for me.
0: Oh, wow. And I know Good.
1: we, yeah, we did an episode where we went through them. I don't know. I think we were thinking of like the 80s or 90s movies, you know. Um, well, there was so, childhood movies. Childhood, that's what it was. And so if I were to think of any movie to watch, it'd probably be Guardians of the Galaxy, just because, you know, the characters are so great. And same thing, like, Basically, with the entire MCU, you have everything wrapped up in one. You know, you have Thanos, you have the Infinity Stones, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy, you have space, you have Earth, like you have just everything all wrapped in one. And the writing is so awesome. And apparently, James Gunn, who's the director, he was the writer, but he um, he also had somebody else that was writing with him, but he's like the main writer on both one and two and the director as well and so he's brought back on to part three which is probably going to be sometime in 2020 maybe 2021 when um he uh, the dc's suicide squad gets you know wrapped up um then he'll be on this but he is a great great director and writer but here's one thing that i was thinking who um uh, you know is it um who directed grinch was it my Mi- is it michael howard his last name's howard what's his first name uh, ron howard uh, ron howard Ron Howard okay, you know how Ron Howard always puts his brother in the movies as an actor that's the only way he can get act I'm not saying that's kind of a joking way to say it. but he gets acting um, spots by his brother directing and putting him in, in roles I don't remember what I think Clint Howard I think is his name yes. Great actor, great actor, um, and really good, good actor. But James Gunn always hires, um, uh, what's his brother's Sean Gunn? His Sean Gunn's on both one and two. He hopefully, I'd like to see him in um, DC and the uh, Suicide Squad. I think it'd be fun to have the Sean Gunn in there as well. But I just thought it was kind of funny the director hiring the brother as the writer. So if I were ever a director, I'd hire you as an actor, and I hope you
0: do the same. Oh, sweet man, for sure I would. Yeah, I could use you as, um, as a, 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 I guess you know, convenience store clerk or something at a minimum. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, I yeah. I could definitely do that. I could put my hands up like I'm getting robbed easily. That's that's yep. that I can I can I don't need to worry about acting classes to be able to do that
0: yeah yeah and you had mentioned that uh yeah he used sean gunn for parts one and two he also put sean gunn in the belco experiment which is a pretty fun to movie but you had mentioned to me a long time ago that every movie that sean gunn has ever done has also starred our very own yondu or michael rooker in it as well i did not know that Wait, well,
1: you and told me that what do you mean oh, you don't know that i no sorry I might have mentioned it as I was I don't I didn't recall it. Oh, okay. I didn't know every movie. I thought it was majority of the movies. Um but I did watch that Belko experiment. That was a super crazy. You know, it's a twist on the same type of story, you know, get a bunch of people in there, let their animal instincts come out and, you know, that type of thing mm-hmm. where they kill each other. That was a pretty crazy one. But yeah, um he's a good actor. I really like him as uh Michael Rooker. I think the very first time I saw him was on Cliffhanger. And uh, you know, I I watched him in that and he was a really really good actor. But yeah, he was great and um I never Never knew anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Didn't read any of the comic books or anything like that. So watching this for the first time was super, super fun
0: without a doubt it was and uh, ahead of this I think back when this came out I was still watching trailers so I saw trailers for this movie it looked like a space movie there's going to be action some cool characters I've never seen before even though I'd read the Guardians of the Galaxy comic books back in the 90s some of these characters were brand new to me I'd never seen Groot or Rocket you know so it was pretty interesting I guess this is kind of a different take on the older Guardians of the Galaxy the stuff that I first read didn't include these characters but you know from the very first trailer when it came out you hear this weird blue suede song from the from the 70s or 80s and you think how does that work in outer space what's going on here and it's just such an interesting way to that James Gunn had of putting this character or yeah this character who was born in the 80s grew up in the 80s and now this music is a part of this futuristic space opera it was just an incredible addition to the movie and a really good way to ground it and i think it really brought audiences in because well it was a it was a great movie first off just the story the characters and everything like you had said but also um uh the music just makes you enjoy movies so much more and one of the things i really liked about this movie is how the music throughout it's not just like background music or just scene like uh it's just not a part of the part of the music, but actually all the songs are part of the story. you know the characters are constantly listening to this music and it fits in perfectly and it ties in really well with the movie
1: and on top of that, it's like the music almost drives the story at times mm-hmm. you know it's it it really helps you to get more ingrained into the movie and I contrast this to captain marvel and that movie with you know there were some you know the the, the songs that they play were from the 90s and everything which it worked uh, it, in a sense it kind of worked where you know okay it kind of fits here but for some reason it was like it was forced but when you have guardians of the galaxy and guardians of the galaxy 2 maybe just the way they do it or how it's i'm not sure what it is maybe if someone on the listeners can kind of clarify how like what i'm actually trying to portray or you know express um It just doesn't necessarily fit as well as Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it's a driving force in the movie is, are these songs and not just like a background noise. It's a driving force. And so I thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. Obviously I enjoy those types of songs or these songs when I hear them. Like blue, you said blue suede. It's blue swede, like EED, um, blue swede is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um but yeah, um hooked on a Feelings great song. Um cha- uh, uh what was the other ones um in this one. I was cuz I just watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2 too, so they kind of kind of to, uh, blend together. But yeah, the songs are super awesome. They really drive the story and James Gunn picks these songs specifically for specific scenes as he's writing the movie, which makes it so much more powerful. And one thing that really got me was, I. this was when I, I was still watching trailers, which now you and I don't um, watch trailers anymore. And so when I watched the trailer, I um, uh, get these songs come up and it's like, oh wow, these, these songs are cool. But what's great is, In the movie, the songs don't come up at the time that you expect them. You know, they're different times. And so it's like watching it anew. So they Marvel does a really good job and Disney in this scenario with MCU at hiding a lot of things or like trying to make you not know everything about the movie before you watch it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. And their, their trailers so far, um, not so far, but they've improved over time in your eyes, especially with the Endgame trailer, watching it after the fact. The first trailer doesn't tell you anything about what's going to happen in the movie, which I loved it, but it gets you super primed for it. But even though the Endgame trailer didn't really give away anything, I'm, I'm not going to go forward and start watching movie trailers now, you know? Oh, absolutely not. Like, like you and I know...
1: Only when it's a movie that either I will never see or I, ah, should I see it? I'll watch the trailer then. Other than that, if I know I'm going to watch it, I don't watch the trailer.
0: Yeah, true dat.
1: So what I really like to do is I go and watch, not watch, but read um, on IMDb all the little trivia things and the things that happen in the behind the scenes, things like... Dave Batista, he was so excited. He's the one that played Drax the Destroyer. He was so excited that he got to be a part of the Marvel comic book role that he actually broke down overjoyed and was actually tearing up. So he was so so excited. He also prepared with an acting coach. So he was that excited about it. And things like um, Vin Diesel, I had no idea. Vin Diesel, I did know that he was Groot's voice, which was pretty cool. Um, He did... The language of I am Groot in like seven, no, like six different languages like Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, German and French and Russian as well, because they wanted it's at no point in having him, you know, come in, just say I'm Groot a thousand times and, you know, call it a day. Well, just have him do it in the other languages, too. And so um, they did that. Let's see. Oh, um, wait, wait,
0: wait. So does that mean when they released it to a Mandarin audience or whatever, they actually, you know, put his Mandarin I am Groot in? absolutely so sweet dude yeah that is very very cool and i complete. i mean it's, it's literally three words or
1: mm-hmm. um yo soy groot or something like that it's, <laughs> yeah it's um yeah so it was a great insight into do- them doing that i think that's a great great idea let's see another couple of things was um originally james gunn didn't even want to view chris pratt's um audition like he's like ah, he's probably not good but he actually watched it and he said he knew within 30 seconds that chris pratt was um star lord on top of that he was ready to give him the job then and there but he didn't he held back but what's actually really funny was he was going to give him the job without him actually losing weight and what was funny is james gunn was considering um uh photoshopping or you know uh, cGIing six pack abs on Chris Pratt to make him look like he's buff, but what Chris Pratt actually did, he said, you know James, give me six months and I will lose weight and so he wanted his goal was to lose fifty pounds he lost sixty pounds for the role
0: That's nice, man, yeah he was kind of a bigger guy on um community.
1: Yeah, well, there was a movie.
0: I can't remember which
1: one it was. Um, uh, Anyways, there was a movie that he was actually really skinny. He was much younger, really skinny. But then when he got on Community, he was really thick and heavy. Now he's back to being, you know, how he is now and really fit and and everything like that. But, yeah, so I really do enjoy going and learning all the different things about, you know, behind the scenes. Things like um, Zoe Saldana, they would – her and Chris, when they were – practicing fighting they'd wear like rib protectors and stuff like that and apparently in the fight scene he didn't wear it because he uh, for for whatever reason he he didn't tell her because he didn't want her to hold back and she kicked him so hard his ribs were bruised for the entire rest of the shooting
0: oh man yeah
1: things like i mean it's just really cool oh one thing that i really so two two things having you don't see them but you hear their voice um vin diesel is super awesome to have him on there and bradley cooper i i mean You just don't picture Bradley Cooper when you see Rocket. You picture Rocket, which is awesome. And what was really neat, Bradley Cooper actually did an interview. He actually told Howard Stern that he made more money voicing Rocket for this movie than when he played in uh, Silver Linings Playbook and Hangover, the first one, combined. He made more money just from this one movie. And honestly, in my opinion, I I don't think they could have got a better person to play Rocket. He did a fantastic job.
0: Oh, you're right about that. He voices that perfectly. You, like you said, you don't even see Bradley Cooper, but he gives such personality to just, just the, the, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it because I'm not exactly a voiceover pro or anything, but he voices it better than I've seen any other comic character, any other CGI animated movie character ever. Like when you watch um toy story like you kind of you you see woody speaking yeah you get the sense that's tom hanks right there you know or um uh what's the name of the tim Tim allen's character tim allen yeah no, oh, what's uh, his character's uh, name? Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, exactly. You see Buzz Lightyear speaking, but you you feel that it's um you know Tim Allen behind the scenes with this one is just incredible what he does with this role, and it makes sense that he got paid so much more. He brings this character to life in in a, in a way that you would never think a rocket. I'm sorry, not a rocket. A raccoon on the big screen can be believable, but his voice makes it believable.
1: And honestly, he's one of my more favorite characters, even though I really like Peter Quill's character. Actually, I see myself, you know, kind of in that like, you know, younger and then older and all the sad music and all that stuff. Like just I I just see myself in that character. I really gravitate towards Rocket. He's just so hilarious. The things that he says Um, in this movie, I also really appreciate there are a couple things that were basically ad-libbed or um, just a mistake that went through. And I thought – like I laughed so hard when Peter Quill is pulling out the orb – for the first time to give it to the collector. He picks it up and holds it in his hand. He literally drops it and quickly picks it up and puts it, you know, hands it out. Well, that was actually, Chris Pratt actually dropped it on accident and just stayed in character the whole time. But I busted up laughing so hard because of that mistake, but they kept it
0: in there. Oh yeah, and that's a perfect one to keep in right there. Sometimes those ad-libs and, and uh, mess-ups, they're faux pas, you know, they're worth keeping in because it adds to... To the character like it tells you it gives like a uh, a little more emphasis on what that character is like you know he is a bumbling guy he might be super smart and good with planning and everything but he does have these small mistakes that he makes and that's one of the things I like about Peter Quill it's that he is your every guy you know it's 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 really interesting, not just Quill, but every character within the first, literally within the first 30 seconds of any character's introduction, you know exactly what kind of person that is. You know exactly who they are for the rest of the movie and no character at any time. Like if you can imagine Captain Marvel, when you see Brie Larson and her character, you kind of don't really get a sense of what she's like, you know, what is she into? What does she want? What are her goals? But for these characters characters in this movie, James Gunn wrote them perfectly and I love it. I agree. The The last thing I'll give you
1: is that Star-Lord's line when they're inside the ship and um Zoli Saldada uh, Gamora says, your ship is filthy or is disgusting. <laughs> when he says, if I had a black light, this place would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. That was actually ad libbed by Chris Pratt. Like he made that up on the fly. And so I I think it was great that he left it in there.
0: Uh, without a doubt he is he's a good comedic presence too not just in this movie but any movie that he's ever been in um that i've seen him in very good comedic presence i love him and you were mentioning about rocket and one of my favorite scenes is when when drax is uh just got defeated by ronin and then rocket says oh boo hoo hoo my wife and child are dead he just he tells it as it is and then you see groot's reaction like oh obviously i mean nobody would ever say something like that that's as mean as something can say as, as some as anything i'm sorry that's as mean as anybody could ever get but then rocket goes on to say yeah everybody's got dead people that's no reason to get more people killed but he uses that honesty to really drive home the point that you screwed up drax and because of you our 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 group is torn up we lost the stone and people almost died or lots of people did die you know and i i just love how how rocket is straightforward like that it's he says things that i would want to say but i never could say
1: Exactly. He says the things that I'm thinking. It's mm-hmm. so awesome. 100%. The things that I don't say. Now, the storyline from beginning to end, it flows so well. I really, really enjoy from beginning to end. You know, you see basically his origin story, Peter Quill's origin story in a, you know, quick two seconds. It's really, really quick, but you pick it up really, really well in the development of the story of the entire like how the the team got to get in a team but like they call themselves a family now it is just really really clever and really really well done
0: oh without a doubt it is and one of the things you said origin story i don't i don't really see this as an origin story for any one character you see it's an origin story for a group of characters, a brand new team, a brand new family, as eventually um, Drax calls them in Guardians of the Galaxy number two. Um, But they're becoming a family in this one. So like you said, you you don't, I don't think you need to see origins for all of these characters. We don't need to see Quill growing up on Yondu's ship with other Ravagers to get a sense of who he is. I mean, in these brief snippets, like I said earlier, within the first 30 seconds, you know everything about these characters. And they give you quick origins on all of them. I mean, maybe you don't understand Groot's character, where he came from, and how he hooked up with Rocket. But, I mean, you see what turned Drax into this Destroyer. He was probably already a warrior for his group or tribe or whatever his people whatever they were but then this uh because he explains how ronan killed his family that's what sent him on this mission so that's why drax is now the destroyer a short origin but it makes sense and and they do the same thing with peter quill i mean he lost his mom so obviously now he grew up with the ravagers and yondu and it's going to make him the person that he is and and i yeah i think it's more of an origin story for a family you know I, I yeah I
1: agree. Now there, if there's one origin story out of all of them that I would love to see is Rocket and Groot, like the way they came together. Yes, I think like you know you you kind of um, cast them in you know Rocket being a rac- raccoon and taken apart, torn back together, and all that sort of stuff, and then Groot at the same time growing up, and then how they meet. I think that would be a super awesome. Uh, as long as James Gunn is writing or a part of the writing and directing, I think that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Although. Um, I think James Gunn did such a great job in these first two volumes creating these characters that like the Russo brothers and the writers for the Infinity War and Endgame those characters are so well fleshed out they were able to just take it and roll with it and you give them lines and you create these new scenes for them and the characters totally flow on and make sense so I, I think if in the future if somebody else did a rocket in group uh, meet-up movie kind of a thing like a buddy cop movie or something where they first met and everything um, I think a future writer can take what James Gunn has done and Marcus and McFeely and the two Avengers movies and just continue with it you know you don't need although I would love to see James Gunn continuing with these characters it's not really necessary because he built such um uh such vibrant and uh I don't know what the word is like real characters from the start
1: yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. Um as you're saying that it got me thinking. I'm probably going to watch every single movie until one comes out that's horrible or doesn't look good. Um that James Gunn, James Gunn um writes and directs or even just directs or is a part of just because I think his directing his 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 um vision as well as his sense of humor really fits well with mine. So I'll probably watch just about all the movies that he will, you know, direct in the future.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'm down with you there. And uh, anything that he's done in the past, if I haven't seen it already, I'll probably pick it up and watch it. He's just one of those guys that... um He just does such a great job. You know that he's going to take the time and he really cares about the characters. He's probably not going to ever write about characters or add characters that he doesn't care about. And the story itself too, everything I've ever seen of him, the stories go really well. Like in these ones, you had mentioned the story paces really well. Yeah, I'm never bored at any time. I want to see what happens next. One thing naturally leads to the next event and leads to the next scene and all that kind of stuff. He's great. And I'm really looking forward to Okay, you and I have talked about it. I have almost never been as bummed about a movie as when I saw Suicide Squad Part 1. But now you would mention <laughs> Suicide Squad 2 is probably going to come out in 2020. I am so looking forward to seeing what James Gunn can do with those DC characters that DC universe now.
1: Yeah, uh- I, with, uh, we don't need to go too far in a Suicide Squad, but yeah, that was very, very disappointing. But I, even though I almost swore, just like Star Wars, I'm never going to watch another Star Wars, um, even if, uh, what's his name? The bad J. J. robot Abrams? Guy, Yeah, if he comes back, even if that happens, I'm still, I'll probably watch it maybe, um, you know, on TV or something. I just don't want to waste my life. Just It's just, it, they screwed up so royally. They did. But... The, even though Suicide Squad was rather irritating, um, I'm not a, you know, I, I like Will Smith, but for some reason his character just didn't, I don't know, it, 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 maybe it was the directing, it was everything about it was horrible, but with James Gunn doing um, Suicide Squad, it's got to be, it's gotta, plus he's writing it too, I mean, it's got to be great, my opinion. So what is your favorite scene in Guardians of the Galaxy?
0: Uh, that's a good question because I was torn back and forth on this one. There are so many great scenes, but especially a lot of the character developments, all the touching kind of scenes uh, where people are showing their emotions and stuff, people connect in this movie so freaking well. But my favorite scene would have to be just the whole 12% plan discussion. And not only for for the humor involved in it you know rocket's uh overbearing laugh his fake laugh and then quill's response to that and 12 percent plan everyone agrees with that and then he says we're all losers we've lost something he pulls the group together at the end we're all standing like a bunch of jackasses all that stuff is really good but then also movies don't often tell you what the plan is going to be right if you think to oceans 11 we kind of get a vague idea all these people are working together to steal something and then the plan doesn't come in Uh, You don't see the plan until the very end. Well, this movie, during that 12% discussion, they lay out the plan. The movie actually follows exactly according to this plan. It doesn't work, so they have to do plan B. And I just really love the 12% plan discussion because of that. I thought that was... Super. Obviously, it has Rocket in there, which
1: is really hard for me to pick a favorite scene that doesn't have Rocket. <laughs> These mm-hmm. things like, oh, you're making me beat up grass. You know, yes. it's just, just so brilliant writing. Like, who thinks of this stuff? And it is so good. Now, I would have to say my favorite scene is the not the opening scene, but the scene where you have the adult Peter Quill on Morag from that to the very, very end where he's actually in the ship. So when he's doing all that dancing, like it's just, it was awesome. I really, I've, I've always liked. So a lot of these songs I've always liked, cause I've always liked, um, 70s songs, um, sounds from the seventies and stuff like that, classic rock. And so when they're playing, come and get your love, like, I might know this song, this song's fantastic. And you know, he's dancing to it, which I want pause that quick thought about the scene going to, I loved um, Endgame, Avengers Endgame, where they actually show what it would be like without hearing the music and yes. singing it on his
0: own. He just looks so, like a jackass dancing around some rocks, you know?
1: It looks brilliant. Yeah, yeah. that I mean, that was a good, good scene. I loved that. That was super cool. Um, that's a creative, creative writer doing that. But going back to Morag, everything about it from beginning to him dancing, going around, him, him stealing it, him fighting against, um, I can't remember his name, um, guy from The Gladiator.
0: Um, um yeah J- Jimon hansu i can't remember there his you name, go. his character's yes. name offhand
1: yeah um really really cool and he's saying hey it's my outlaw name and who and i was like "Yeah, that's so awesome that's such a great like writing in their joke like you might know me by star lord he's all like, who and it's just it was great and then at the very end when he finally writes the ship you know the ship's falling because it got hit by the water and all that sort of stuff it's falling and then all of a sudden there's a lady popping up out of the middle of the ship so peter he's all hey hey uh he forgets her name number one he's all and i'll uh, uh, breed I want to be honest with you. I forgot you were there. <laughs> That's
0: yes. was so funny. <laughs> oh, man. I loved it, too. You're right about that, forgetting that she was even there. So, like I said, like that initial scene right there, it was a couple minutes long. But you know everything you need to know about Quill. Like, he has... He can be a Boy Scout and, and you know, improvise when the bad thing happens. Or, like, I guess Navy or Marines might be the improvisers. But, like, um he can improvise when the bad stuff happens. So all of a sudden he's attacked by Korath. I just remembered his name. And then his goons, you know, he's able to escape from them. And then at the same time, you know that he's a womanizer. Like, he's got these lady friends, but he doesn't really think much of them as well. So all of the stuff that you need to know about Quail happens in that very first scene. You're right about that. It's a great scene. Yeah, what did you
1: think about when they went to nowhere? Did you like the whole um everything about going to nowhere and then leaving and all that sort of stuff?
0: Ooh, yeah, I mean I'm from from the sound of your question it's like a loaded question. You're you're asking me something for a reason right here. I know you have some idea, but I really liked the whole nowhere scene. I I really enjoyed how they went to go meet the collector. Um I do have um Uh, I guess, a lesson learned from the whole scene in the cantina before they meet the collector. But overall, I thought it was a great scene. I thought it was a good introduction to Nowhere. And I like how later on in Infinity War, we revisit Nowhere. Um, And also Nowhere is where um, after Thor part two, they bring the What is it? Reality stone there for him to keep. So it's pretty cool how this is our first look into this place where uh, it's it's a very important stone-related place for us, you know.
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying I don't like it. I actually really I think it's a good um, ebb and flow in the story, and I really really like that. The one thing I think I think I it's a little maybe it's just the the character, but the collector um, Beniso de Toro. I think he did a good job, but man, it, for some reason, maybe because he's, he's a little Weasley, um, you know, type of like, a uh, criminal-esque type of guy, um, just everything about that, it was just creepy to me, and maybe that's why it just kind of doesn't sit the best, but everything about it was great, I think it was just about the collector, not nowhere, I think nowhere was fun, I think when they were flying around, and in the ships, and then destroying the, um, you know, the bad guy ships with the ship, all that stuff was really, really cool, but I think it was just the collector, man, that collector's, um character is just oh man i want to punch him in the face.
0: Oh, absolutely. He's a bad guy. He doesn't care about anything or anybody except for what he has. I mean, he obviously had some woman locked up there that was his slave before. So you, you know that woman that was cleaning the stuff. She's obviously a slave. She's not there because she wants to be. She's there because he paid for her at some point, you know. So this is obviously a super bad guy. But when you're dealing with billions of credits, credits for one small object you're going to deal with somebody bad. Nobody's going to, no good person's going to pay you billions of credits for one power stone like that, you know? And he, it was funny. He was literally reaching in his drawer to pay him, like yeah. <laughs> grabbing the credits out of there. Out it of was like he was going to pull out some kind of like flash drive that had, um, you know, 500,000 um, uh, Bitcoin on it or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So I got one more scene. Obviously, I really
1: like all the scenes, even the the dance off to save the world. Like, ooh, child, yes. like, it's just so good. <laughs> Loved all that, but I really, uh, it kind of struck me, and I was like, oh wow, that is super awesome. Is when they went to kill, um, kill uh, kil? no, the kiln. No, is it the kiln? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, the the prison. Kiln? The prison. Yeah, they go to the kiln, and they're getting all—obviously, the um, song with um, uh, Blue Swede, that song when they was playing, that was really, really fun to see. But I loved when you have the big guy that's already in the prison say, oh, check out the new meat. And you mm-hmm. see Groot walking right up, just look at him, and then stick his fingers up his nose and then grow him into his brain. I was like— Dude, this is awesome. And then you get Rocket. All right, everybody, listen up. This one here is our super awesome. That's what they say in prison. You know, you can find the biggest, baddest guy, beat the crap out of him so you can be the top dog. But I, I know I would never do that. Like, I would be scared. Well, but, we saw um, that
0: same thing in Deadpool 2, you know? Yes, exactly. just wanted to do that, and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> I didn't want- <laughs> Well, maybe it did work out well because he found the biggest guy and instead of fighting against him, he befriended him. So it kind of worked out for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of did.
0: And so I
1: loved that. That was just like a shock. Like, oh, wow, Groot's destroying this dude. And then everybody else is like, oh, we're staying away from him. Yeah. Yep. So what was your Monday morning quarterback?
0: Okay, my Monday morning quarterback, I thought for, for myself, I think it's pretty darn good right here. Um, skip, okay, so it was in the same scene that you're talking about in the kiln, right? They are in the little control room, I don't know what you call it. And then all of a sudden these guys come with rocket launchers and the lead guy says, okay, fire number one, fire number two. No, 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 skip firing one at a time. These guys are a threat, they're in your control room, obviously we know now after the fact that they can control the gravity they can fly that thing around freaking fire all of your rockets at one time and just kill them that is
1: brilliant and there there's a term for that so instead of you know fire on my command it's fire at will like yes. whenever you're, oh, you're ready you go. fire just keep firing until like until the balls. threat is removed Exactly. Just keep firing. Just keep going until it's gone. But that's a great, great Monday morning quarterback. They definitely would have defeated them or, you know, would have blown up and they would have got to him. Yep. Um, So I did not actually have a Monday morning quarterback, but yours was actually really, really good. I like that one a lot. But as I was going through the entire movie, I I find that it's hard for me to find Monday morning quarterbacks when it's a well-written story. And I just go along with it. I really enjoy it. That's a good
0: observation right there. I love that.
1: I do think, though, yours is perfect because that is one that, you know, the good guys apparently, they're the good guys, the prison guards. But that was just dumb. I'm like, why in the world is he saying fire on my command? Like, why? Like, there's literally no reason to do that. But, oh, well. So that was something that was a good Monday morning quarterback. So good job.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I want to know, I hope you don't choose the same one as mine. What is your movie prop that you would love to own from this movie? For me, it's the entire... Peter Quill Star-Lord's outfit with the
1: the mask and the blasters. All Good that choice. combined.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mine is um, at the very end, they're going through their plan. Yondu's ship gets shot down and he crashes and you finally get to see his arrow in action. I would love to have his fin along with the arrow. And one of the things that, you know, my boys and I, we love uh, watching The Walking Dead and zombie movies and that kind of thing. If you could have a real-life working Yondu's flying arrow, that is the perfect weapon to have in a zombie apocalypse. It really is. There's nothing that's going to stop you. No no zombie will ever get to you. You'll be able to protect your family and all your friends if you only had that arrow. That arrow is absolutely...
1: That's a that's, that's, that's devastating weapon. Like, literally, it can destroy... It goes through everything, basically. And I think it was... Um, it, it's just awesome to see how it actually functions. Because I never... In not knowing or ever reading the comic books, I had no idea. But you, know, you you don't really see him actually use it. He kind of hints at it a couple
0: times. When he actually uses it, it's pretty darn cool. It is, yeah. And I loved that scene right there with Yondu going down and beating all the... What, what made me think of that is... Um, he called them necropilots or necro-something, so telling me that they're dead, right? Um, uh, When I'm saying he... um, What's the bad guy's name? Ronan. Yeah, Ronan said, uh, you know, necromancers commence Operation immolation and they started dive bombing so they're already dead it just made me think hey if they're already dead they're basically exactly like zombies but that thing went through them and took them all out i i loved it right there so um and i love your choice of quill's entire outfit that's a really good one as well because it's so like that mask it's so iconic now i mean you see anything with big red eyes you're probably going to think about peter quill and the guardians you know
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah man, awesome. So um we we'll, maybe we'll get to some other stuff about the movie, but let's get to some lessons learned. My first lesson learned is know your audience. And if you remember in the uh in the prison, Peter was trying to ta- tra- talk to Drax and convince him to leave Gamora alive and he, you know, pulls his finger along his throat and Drax and his people are so literal that he wasn't actually able to communicate well with Drax. So basically in life and in the movies, of course, know your audience, know who you're communicating with and use terms and phrases and words and gestures maybe that they're going to understand so that they can pick up on what you're putting down. Good point. That's a great a great lesson. Um, I know
1: if you're thinking about any job that it has anything to do with sales, if you you're not selling the product, you're selling the person. You're selling them on what you're selling. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to do that, how to read the person, how to help them to come to the decision to make that purchase, then you you're not doing right. Like you're not you're not going to be a good salesman. That's just the bottom
0: line. Absolutely. So- that goes right along with my lesson. I love it.
1: Good. Okay. So my first one is um I already said it earlier there's one of the first things um so it's not going to be one of them but um we need outlaw names. Like that's what we need. So that's a lesson is get an outlaw <laughs> yeah. name. I um, am now
0: Chun-Li. There. You yeah. <laughs>
1: so my first lesson is always have a plan. Even if it's only 12% of a plan. Always have a plan because you can figure out
0: the rest as you go. Totally. I love that right there. And and you're right. You can figure out the rest as you go. They enacted their plan. It didn't work. And like I said earlier, plan B, dance off, baby. And it worked. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And so- that's
1: something that in um, Avengers Infinity War, Peter Quill says, yeah, see, not winging it is something that they don't do. Like they have to always wing it. Like with it, that's what we do. We may come up with a plan, but we'll wing it as we go. So I think that's great. That's how I, I love that. Totally,
0: totally. Good pull right there. Uh, my second lesson is keep your personal business personal, especially around those who might not skip an order an opportunity for stealing billions of units. So I, I found it really awkward and I would have never done this to talk about a payday worth billions of dollars in a cantina full of unsavory types, right? absolutely <laughs> yeah he's all he's all cool it down for just five or just for the next few hours and we'll get paid billions of units rocket and why would you tell them? oh my god in a in a in a room full of unsavory people who'd probably I, willingly kill you for a thousand units you know i
1: thought the exact same thing like look dude look at all the people around you oh so i did come up with another monday morning quarterback um or a monday morning quarterback as you mention it um it's easily the collector should not have left it open the um uh the orb should have closed it and not had any you know just sitting out he should have closed it but then again you don't foresee his um uh slave coming up and taking it yeah you're, you're right about
0: that but what happens like let's say you were a lord in a manor back in england right you have servants you have butlers and stuff when it's time to talk business you send them out of the room and it's oh, just yeah. you and your business partners you know so At a minimum, I agree with you. Close that puppy up. But a different option would have been to send your slave girl to go clean your office, you know, so that she's not around while you're talking shop with important people. She doesn't need to be there. Absolutely right. Exactly. Cool. So my second
1: lesson is call your mother at least once a week, if not more. Oh,
0: that's a good lesson. Why is that?
1: Yeah, because life... Is uh, basically just goes away. Life's fleeting. It'll it'll eventually go away. It's a proven fact. One hundred percent of the people die, and everybody's going to die. And when you have uh, watching Peter Quill's mom die, and you know our our mom died of cancer. I think it was twenty fourteen, and it. I would say you know. I, I would give anything to be able to like I'll give us all my money to be able to talk to her one more time on the phone or something like you know, just give her a hug and thinking of endgame where Thor got to go back and see his mom again, just something like that. Oh yes. You know, yeah, really hits home. But same thing. Oh, with, we
0: forgot to mention spoilers for Endgame in this episode. <laughs> no, yeah, I I think we're past that. Anybody who's yeah. listening to the show,
1: if you don't think, hey, there's going to be spoilers in a show that talks about a movie, then um, you you need to really realize what a review of a movie is. True that. Done. So um, but yeah. So call your mom at least once a week. I have some friends who um, whenever they mention anything, oh, you know, I had to talk to my mom and she talked forever and all blah blah blah. I am like, hey man, I'm telling you. Cherish that time. I know it might be a little irritating, um, but call her and talk to her as much as possible. You absolutely knew that because once they're gone, you can't and it's going to be rough. So yes, call them at least once a week.
0: I love that lesson, dude. And you're right. You and I, uh, we have firsthand experience with that. So you're 100% right about that. Oh, that reminds me. I got to call dad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. <laughs> Perfect. Yep, sweet. So my third lesson is work with what you got. And you talked about it earlier. They were flying around um, uh, nowhere using those indestructible pods to fight off uh, nebula And, you know, Thanos' crew, or not Thanos, uh, Ronin's crew and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, you don't have weapons on your ships. What do you got? Quill said it uh, perfectly. We have indestructible pods. Let's freaking ram them, use them as kamikaze, or let's be kamikazes and ram them, and we're going to beat these guys. I I love that. (laughs) You got to work with what you got. Improvise, as the Marines would say, you know? Yeah,
1: that's an absolute awesome lesson, and the exact, just about the exact same one. I worded a little differently than I have for my number three. So my number three is always think outside the box. There Going you go. along just with you, and Neb's my same thinking was, you know, you're just running away from them. But how can you be offensive and think outside the box? Hey, these things are indestructible. We can run into them. And so, yes, always be thinking outside the box. Always be a, a rebel. Always being able to, you know, look at, hey, I'm, I'm not following orders, just like everybody else. Like I am my own person. I'll figure it out on my own. Just being, honestly, being an American kind of gives us a leg up because that's what, Amer- we're, we're, we're a, a country full of outlaws, you know, Billy the Kid and all that stuff. And so that's where we come from. So yeah, absolutely. Always think outside the box. Oh,
0: I love that lesson. That is such a good freaking lesson. I agree with you 100% there. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to do. You know, we're so conditioned to think in the ways that we were taught to think or that we've always thought, but you're right about that outside of the box. So um so we've talked about our lessons, we talked about our props, Monday morning quarterback. Um we talked about our favorite scenes. What is the grade that you would give this movie? I give this an A+. Plus. 100%. I, I'm right I, on board with you.
1: You're right there too. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I when I was looking at the difference between part 1 and part 2, in my opinion, I kind of I I would rather watch part 2 over and over again. Then part one, even though I love them both, I think they're both great. And so I know part two, and which, you know, eventually we'll do part two, but that one's like an A plus in my mind. And so when I think of part one, I don't think to watch it as like, it's not like a draw as much to watch it as opposed to part two. So roundabout or like a long way, long way to say, I always consider this an A, but if I just remove part two out of my brain, I'm like, man, this is A plus. So that's why I give it A plus.
0: Good I agree with you there both of them for me get an a plus they are both incredibly fun uh rewatchable movies I mean I don't know at at least 20 times I've seen them each um so I definitely give this an a plus but you know one of the things so we had talked about last week what one movie would you recommend to somebody who has never seen the MCU to watch and it's Guardians of course. I agree with that and I also I also gave it a little more a little bit more thought. If somebody wants to watch Endgame right now and they've never seen any MCU, I think they really only need 3 movies to watch. It's Guardians of the Galaxy and the reason for that is like you said earlier, they introduce all of the stones, they tell you how powerful all of the stones are. They tell you that nobody's been able to hold all the stones and they introduce Thanos in this movie as well, right? If you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, then you watch Endgame. You're not an idiot if you've never seen the MCU. You've just chosen not to watch them. You know who Captain America is. You know who Thor is. You know Hulk. You know um, Iron Man. You know all that stuff. So you can literally go from watching this movie, learning about the stones, learning about the th- le- learning about Thanos, learning about Gamora and Nebula. Then you go to Infinity War. Then you watch Endgame. I guarantee. That is a perfect trio of movies for anybody new to the MCU. That's a great point. I I can't disagree with
1: that at all. I think you hit, hit it nail right on the nail. That's, yep. that's great.
0: Cool beans. Thanks for agreeing with me. Hey, <laughs> thanks for agreeing with me. And I got to say that I agree with me as well, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, so, so do I. Yes. A, a few other things just about this movie. I really liked the whole first scene, last scene. Um, a lot of times movies do this, right? They, they have a, 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 an end scene that kind of goes back to the very first scene of the movie. So if you think about lost lost did seven full or six full seasons, the very last scene of lost looked at Jack's eyeball in the forest of bamboo. The first scene of lost was there, right? So it was a first scene, last scene thing. Well, in this movie, the the first scene you know Meredith Quill reaches out and says take my hand Peter at the last scene of this movie almost the last scene um uh Gamora says Peter take my hand and he sees his mom right there I think those first scene last scene things are a really good way to connect the entire series they get you thinking about the beginning of the movie and I think they really draw the viewer in and I loved that they did this in this one they're great bookends to a movie
1: that's a great point yeah I absolutely agree with that and and that's something that um, really like you said draws you in and it helps you like brings it full circle which everybody loves not, not necessarily a conclusion but closure and it's like wow this is closure, closure yeah, that's like, the word yeah. yeah yeah they absolutely love that so it's a great great um, uh, storytelling um, what would you call it like uh, progression or you know just a plot point or something to put in there
0: yeah. really really cool so totally. good yeah Man. good idea hey I have a question for you We know that Yondu loves Quill. Spoiler for part two, obviously. We know that they're like father and son, even though uh, Quill doesn't really see it that way. How was he going to get out of killing him right then with, you know, when they pull him onto the ship with Gamora and Quill right there? It looked like he was about to blow the whistle for his arrow to go through Quill's neck. How would, how do you think Yondu would have gotten out of that point? So now that I know Yondu's feelings
1: for him—that it's totally different. Um, but at the time, I had no clue. I thought Yondu was definitely like a bad dude, and you know, just uh, the leader of of a bad gang. And you think of. Um, other movies where you have a bad group of people well the leader will kill anybody like he will kill the the first mate or you know whoever just because oh he looked at me wrong or whatever but we didn't know anything about yondu so in watching that the very first time i thought he was going to kill him like i just thought that's what it was now looking back at his feelings and everything i have no idea what do you think
0: um i think yondu would have instead of blown that whistle i think he would have done that for himself i really don't think he would have killed quill he would have found a way to get out of it and i think that was it their knowledge um gamora's knowledge of ronin and his ship and everything i think he would have flipped the script on that and made it like his idea instead of it being quill's idea great great point i think so
1: um it did look like he was just about to whistle though so that's kind of yeah good good idea
0: Yeah, it did. And one of the things I like about, like when you think, you know, when you watch future movies, you can always go back and kind of, mm, I don't know what, like watch it with fresh eyes, you know? So after you see part two and you realize that Yondu actually loves Quill, a lot of his decisions in the first movie make sense. Like at the very beginning, after um quill escaped with the power stone and they're on morag and the and the one ravagers talking to him and says you've always been soft on that boy i told you we should have killed him or whatever it was now it makes sense right that he's soft on him because he sees him like his own son um and so it's really fun, like after Endgame especially, I have not gone back and watched the first Avengers yet. Spoiler alert for everybody, of course. But it would be cool to go back and watch Avengers with the idea that the Avengers returned to this time and had a separate mission apart from just defeating the Chitari, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good thought. And that's something, something with um, Endgame that I thought was really, really enjoyable was you reminisce on many, many past movies. It's it, That was really a good storytelling ability and it really helped you draw in the rest of the, like the previous 10 years.
0: Oh, without a doubt. And one of the things I liked about Endgame, not to get too far away from Guardians, but it kind of made me think back and make me want to rewatch Thor Part Two. the whole idea that- oh, yeah. You know, yeah, they're back there. His mother's there the day that she dies and all that stuff. Makes me want to go back and watch it again. Are you going to go back and watch it?
1: I probably will. My kids have been asking for it over and over. I'm like,
0: why do you want to watch part two? It wasn't that good. But they say, no, we want to watch part two again. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm down to watch it. Um, uh, Let me see. I'm looking at my list here. One last thing. Um... We already talked about the dance-off, and I love the dance-off as well. It's so smart, um, you know, distracting him for just that moment so he can use the Hadron Enforcer again um, to to remove him from the Power Stone. But one last thing I want to talk about um, is the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. That's the final Uh, final shot before i think it was the final shot before we see the credits start to roll and it's so interesting to think that they knew before audience even audiences even saw this movie they knew that the guardians would be such a big hit that they were super confident they knew they had a winner they knew the guardians would return not just that you know it, it played a bigger role than the whole infinity saga but Obviously, if this movie did not strike a chord, I bet they would not have made a part two and a part three of, you know, upcoming part three. But it, it, I just I just thought it was so cool that they had the confidence in watching this movie through the editing process, through the creation process. They knew they would have a hit on their hands.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, what's the worst case scenario? They just never do it. You know, that could be the worst case scenario. And you still have it written on the, the um, original screen. Yeah. Coming up. But when I'm looking at the budget it was one hundred seventy million dollars. The opening weekend made ninety-four million. Gross USA to right now so far is three hundred and thirty-three million and the community of gross worldwide is seven hundred and seventy-five thousand or sorry $1 million dollars. So they made what seven uh, six times their money? That's just great.
0: They did, they did, but that's not even thinking about the ancillary stuff, you know, all the different toys, the Lego oh, toys man. as yes. well. And then when you think about it, this movie obviously led into part two, which even made more money, right? So yeah, this movie was successful, but it, it spawned an entire bigger thing. People love seeing them in the Avengers movies as well. So you know part three is going to be uh, part two. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, part two, I'm looking at IMDb was 8.6, I'm sorry, $860 million. I guarantee part three, by the time it comes out, people will be even more in love with the guardians part three will be a billion dollar movie i would agree with that i yeah. absolutely agree with that awesome man so i think i talked about everything else oh one last thing i really like stanley stanley's little cameo um in this movie the class a <laughs> preverb. <laughs> it was pretty cool and what i think about i've never heard the word preverb before but like pervert You could think pre-verb might mean like he's going for somebody way younger than his age. You know, pre, previous kind of a thing. I really like that old cameo there. (laughs) Yeah, He's always great.
1: It'll be a bummer to not see him in there. But maybe they might do some CGI to get him in there. I don't know. But yeah, it's a bummer that he's not going to be in anymore.
0: Yeah, we might see in future movies. We'll just have a picture on a screen on a computer desk on a little frame somewhere. Stanley's face here and there. When it makes sense, they'll put him in, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool being. So before we conclude this puppy, anything we failed to mention? No, there's so many more things we can talk about it, but I think we did great. Absolutely. Cool being. So this movie was my choice. What are we going to learn from next week, Dust? So I know eventually we're going to do Guardians of the Galaxy
1: 2. Um, I love that movie, so we're going to have to do it, but we have a super awesome movie coming out. I love part one and part two. They were super awesome. And plus it's got one of the greatest actors of all time, Keanu Reeves, you yes! know, Bill and Ted's. Exactly. So John Wick part three, Parabellum, I think that's what it's called or mm-hmm. pro, something like that. Yes. So, so. John Wick Part Three is coming out, and I want to go. I'll probably go the very first day that it opens up and watch it because I really love seeing Keanu Reeves kick butt. And he's 50 years old and he's still doing it. It's super awesome.
0: Yeah, man. It's amazing. You know, just the other day you sent me a video link of his Tri Gun performance. I, I can't think of is that what it's called? tri gun or three gun? Three gun, yeah. Three gun performance. And we'll, you know, in next week's episode, we'll put this video up. But it's amazing seeing him in training and or I guess it's kind of training, but actually using the three different guns going through an entire obstacle course and nailing these targets left and right. I mean, this guy puts in the work off screen and it, it makes sense because he he delivers it on screen so well. Well, it, it translates great because he is
1: He's not like an expert, but he's very, very proficient and it can. Yeah, you know, I personally, because I love, um, I love shooting, I love firearms, I love being, you know, being around. I love hunting, and so when I see movies where people are just like nowhere near knowing anything about firearms, I'm like, couldn't the choreographer, not choreographer, like the stunt guy, couldn't he tell him how to actually hold the gun right or something yes. like that? But you see, like everything that I saw him doing in John Wick Two, I was like, dude, that is so right on, like that special forces type stuff that
0: he's doing. It's super awesome. It is, man. It's so realistic for somebody like me who has hardly ever held a gun, hardly ever fired a gun, never gone through training. This movie or these set of movies are so much more realistic than anything out there. So I'm super glad you picked John Wick 3 for next week. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, let's do it. Alrighty everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And of course, now that you know how we feel about Guardians of the Galaxy Part 1, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And not just your thoughts on the movie, but also any life lessons that you took away from it. So please leave a comment at watchandlearnpodcast.com/slash pod forty eight. Alrighty then, this has been Chun Lee and Jackknife. And we will return next week with
1: John Wick 3 Parabellum.